Time for us to have our check-in with all the things that have been going on down in the United States for the past week. Reggie Giacchini, our Global News Washington correspondent, is with us, and he's got some developing news just happening, actually. Good morning, Reggie. Hey, good morning. Yes, developing uh, quite literally in the last 10 minutes here. We have found out that uh, in the series of uh, legal issues that the former president, Donald Trump, is facing, we now know that the uh, the situation in Florida linked to his uh, alleged mishandling of classified documents is going to go to trial. And that is going to happen in May of 2024, putting it right in the middle of a clash uh, with primary season. This goes far beyond what the government was wanting. The special counsel wanted December 11th. The Trump team wanted to wait until after the 2024 election. Uh, Ultimately here, what we have, though, is the first uh, court date on paper risk that it gets pushed down the road. We have to wait to see what goes on. But but this is this is a development that the Trump team is ultimately not going to like. And that is the story that just keeps developing, though, Reggie. It doesn't feel, seem like what day it is. It's going. There's going to be an update. I'm, I'm surprised they can keep track of all the different court dates and all the different states where things are happening. Yeah, and, and look, there's also uh, a development not just in Florida. There's also a development uh, in Georgia in the case where uh, Fulton County District Attorney uh, Fannie Willis is moving forward with her own investigation into the former president's attempts to overturn the 2020 election. There's reporting from The Guardian this morning that suggests uh, that the district attorney is going to be looking uh, at pursuing racketeering charges against the former president, uh, which needs two underlying crimes. And we understand that to be uh, linked to computer crimes with how a Trump paid lawyer was accessing a voter data system and uh, witness interference, which was when Donald Trump held that phone call looking for 11,000 and change votes. Obviously, that would then coincide with what's going on with the special counsel's uh, investigation, which we are quite literally waiting for a potential indictment that could come down at any day here in D.C. Okay, and also let's talk a little bit, was it Michigan where they moved this week to charge the people who had posed as fake electors? Yeah, and this is a this is a big deal. Now, I ta- we I was speaking with a, a former federal prosecutor earlier this week and said, "Look, is this going to have any impact on what the special counsel is doing?" And he said, "No, the special counsel is likely going to leave this all encompassing into around Donald Trump and what happens at the state level in other investigations uh, may simply kind of factor into the outlier." But this is a big deal because this plays into that that kind of Trump state level pressure campaign back in 2020 to try and get himself to stay in power by having. Having fake electors put up in uh, battleground states like Michigan. It also is an issue in Arizona. But these people are now facing felony charges uh, for um, kind of going against what the law is when it comes to election rules. There's more than a dozen of them. They allegedly met in a basement, signed these bogus papers that they were going to try to give to then Vice President Mike Pence yeah, to announce. They weren't electors. They were not electors. They, 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 they were not, not been yeah, chosen. They, they had not been chosen, and they, they signed this paper anyways thinking that they'd be able to sway Mike Pence's decision on keeping Donald Trump in power. He obviously didn't do that. And now these people are facing a series of crimes. That's crazy that they just thought they could get together and do that. And, oh, we'll pose as electors and what? Nobody's going to check. Well, and look, this speaks to a broader issue here that points back to Donald Trump and his legal team at the time in all of the schemes that they were trying to do to keep Trump in power, all based on fraudulent and bogus claims of election fraud. Okay, and you have to explain to me, Reggie, what is going on with this Robert Kennedy's like you still see you see these videos, you see these stories, you read about things that he has said, you see him talking about things. And then he tries to say that he never said those things. And it's just getting so confusing. Like, why does he get so much attention? 
attention. Well, because he is, at the end of the day, a presidential candidate who's pulling in 20 percent in some polls uh, of of the Democratic voter base. Um, And, and, you know, there are some people who are concerned that, you know, this is giving him a megaphone to kind of talk about these bananas not realistic viewpoints on things um, like the COVID vaccine um, and COVID itself. But ultimately, what we have here is a challenger to Joe Biden, uh, who, number one, was testifying before Congress yesterday at this kind of subcommittee on the weaponization of government, um, you know, spewing nonsense uh, and kind of potentially damaging theories uh, and conspiracies about vaccines and about, you know, a whole list of things. And ultimately, um, you know, he's playing to a, p- a particular audience here, possibly independents, possibly into Republicans that he may be able to pull away from Donald Trump. Uh, but, you know, this morning, his own grandson is coming out trying to disavow him and, and say, look, he does not speak for the Kennedy family here. But at the end of the day, he does have a lot of Republican support. And that was evident yesterday when he was testifying. Right. But he does seem to appear at a lot of Republican events. He does appear at a lot of Republican events. And then he has to, you know, deal with the fact that what he says then needs to be walked back or he fights with people to say, look, I didn't say that, even though a lot of what he said uh, is, is on recorded. camera. Yes. Yeah, based, it's what we saw with the New York Post stuff last week, where he was talking about COVID being kind of a, a biochemical weapon. And, you know, he said, I didn't say that his words are on tape. Okay, that's the one that also gets my head shaking. Now, let's talk about Florida, because we can't leave without talking about Florida. This story about the Florida, the Board of Education there with the new guidelines for teaching black American history. uh, I'm sorry, they're trying to teach that there were positives were there about slavery? Well, yes. I mean, this this is kind of part and parcel of a broader effort by Florida's governor and Florida's government uh, to rewrite the curriculum to to get rid of kind of a quote unquote woke ideology or woke, woke orthodoxy here. And they're trying to say, look, we can teach that slavery, uh, you know, had benefits to black Americans because it may have, quote unquote, you know, taught them trades that they may not have learned otherwise. And critics are pointing out saying, look, they could have learned these trades had they not been pulled away from their families and shackled up on boats and then sold to the highest bidder in America. And, you know, this this is facing sharp criticism. It is not the first time that Florida's governor has enacted, um, you know, curriculum across the state that is going to potentially try to whitewash or overlook, uh, you know, issues that are affecting the social fabric of that state. And it's a part of a more broad effort amongst the United States to get a more conservative ideology put into uh, the education system, whether it's in California, whether it is in parts of the Midwest, uh, where K to 12 students are now being taught what a certain fragment of a politicized population wants them to learn, not what the realities of the world might be. Okay, and very quickly, there's another story out of Florida, but this one has to do with chicken nuggets, and I got—I have to ask you about this. Uh, $800,000 for a girl who was eating chicken McNuggets. It fell on her lap. It burned her. She got a, a burn mark on her leg. Uh, the family sued where they wanted $15 million in compensation. Ultimately, uh, the franchisee, the company, uh, $800,000 was awarded to this girl. It goes back to the 90s when somebody spilled hot, hot coffee on them. And, you know, they were they were awarded. Uh, The family says, look, we didn't think that the food would be this hot. Uh, And ultimately, a jury sort of sided with them and and gave them nearly a million dollars for for 
hot food being too hot. Well, it, I did see the picture, and it was quite a burn. So it, some mean, hot it, chicken nuggets. Yeah, I mean, it's a hot chicken McNugget, but yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, do people prefer hot food, or would they then prefer cold food that they then have to complain about? I mean, you lose either way, apparently, if you're McDonald's. Oh, you get warm food. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, Reggie, thank you so much for that. <laughs> thank you. That's Reggie Cicchini, our Global News Washington correspondent. That was a true story. I know it sounds made up. Absolutely a true story. The pictures and everything.